At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Welcome to the Elk Shape Podcast with me, Dan the Fitness Man Staten. This podcast is dedicated to blue-collar, hard-working public land elk hunters. We preach hard work, delayed gratification, discipline, and staying accountable to yourself. We value faith, family, fitness, fiscal discipline, and of course, public land elk hunting. So come along as we try to educate, motivate, and inspire you to become the best possible version of yourself. Our podcast is brought to you by Wilderness Athlete, performance you deserve. Fuel your body with the best. Use our discount code ELKSHAPE30 and save 30% off your first purchase. We are also brought to you by NUMA Outdoors. Geared for the outdoors, made with bow hunters in mind, built to over-deliver, and most importantly, designed to outperform. Check out numaoutdoors.com and be sure to use the discount code ELKSHAPE20 to save 20% off your purchase. Matthews Archery elevating the archery experience take a test drive with the matthews v3 31 or 27 at a local dealer near you vortex optics i've been partnered with vortex since 2010 this company is awesome they're american owned veteran owned they're based in wisconsin their entire team of designers and engineers produce and distribute a complete line of premium sport optics, accessories, and apparel. Most of the apparel that I wear while training, scouting, and hanging out around the house is Vortex Wear. Go ahead and check it out, and if you want to save 20%, enter the discount code ELKSHAPE at checkout, and you'll save 20%. New from Vortex in 2021 is their tripods. The one I've been using in the backcountry is their Summit Carbon Tube and they're radiant carbon and it also has a ball leveling head and it's perfect for rock solid shooting. There is a tripod to fit everyone's needs from Vortex now and it's still covered with their lifetime no fault transferable VIP warranty. Check it out at vortexoptics.com. And what's up guys, Elk Shape Podcast and the Fitness Man. Let's do this. So today we are sitting down in person live with Mr. Jonathan Barklow. At Jay Barklow, this guy is sick of gears, big game, product manager, total badass. His level of attention to detail is like, he's definitely OCD, and he's a great guy, very vetted in the backcountry. He's got a new project called knowledgefromstorms.com. Check it out. Check out his Instagram. And I just want to say, man, I have some exciting stuff coming out in YouTube world. If you are if you checked out our Elkshape YouTube 
By the way, I put a lot of work into that with my homeboy, Tim Connor. I think I got 33 hours of editing this week. Um, yeah. So I got in the zone and came out with this awesome series. I'm so proud of it. Uh, it's called the Elk Shape Montana Road Trip Series. It's four episodes. And it's literally three days of nonstop activity. So I leave Spokane and I drive to Bozeman. I go to Barclos. We shot an awesome YouTube video checking out his ABT station, his barn. He's got a 40 by 60 shop, chock full of ABT gear for archery and backcountry gear. Did a really good video on that. That's gonna be the first episode in that series. Then we went and shot a video for the Elk Collective on how to kill elk without using elk calls. Really good video there. Then of course we shot bows. Then I jammed down, hung out with the Seacat Creative crew for a little bit, ate sushi. Then I drove to the Bridgers and I camped, sent my buddy Jake Webb a pen from Onyx, said, hey, I'm camping here. Woke up the next morning, he was there, he drove all night. We got up, headed to the Bridgers and nailed an awesome hike. We filmed that for the YouTube series and then we headed to the crazy mountain range. Same day, shot a private 3D course that Ryan Lampers designed for his Western Hunting Summit. In the crazies at 6,500 vertical feet, 22 targets and Jake and I went head to head, filmed that for YouTube, kept score. You're gonna wanna see that. That night hung out, shot bows, and then the next morning I did a presentation on how to be more consistent at elk hunting, as well as took his all his attendees through a workout. And then we said our goodbyes, and that same day we drove five hours uh, kind of outside of Anaconda area, can't say exactly where, into the wilderness. Jake and I hiked five miles each, separated, and we picked up trail cameras that we had soaking for over a year. We both filmed that, made it back to the truck, shot a few more arrows, slept in the back of the truck. Next morning, woke up, and then we jammed to a different trailhead system and got the rest of our cameras out, and then we drove home. It was it was incredible, and I got a funny story. This really happened, and I probably shouldn't share it, but I'm going to. And this is the longest intro, by the way, but hopefully I got your attention. Anyways, um, so... I was driving out of the mountains on a very narrow, nasty dirt road, come around a corner, and there's a truck coming right towards me in the middle of the road. I move as far as I can to one side. They move as far as they can. It doesn't matter. My side mirror, their side mirror, they collide. And it's a dirty, dusty road. So I came to a complete stop, put my truck in park, got out looked at my side mirror. It was definitely beat up broken, but it wasn't like, I mean, it didn't work anymore, obviously, but I looked down the road and I just saw dust and I was like, oh man, I got hit and ran. So I was like, well, I don't get cell phone service here. I wonder if I should call this in or report it to my insurance. I don't know what, but I'm going to get to cell phone service. And Jake's behind me in his truck, like a couple miles back, probably just to keep the dust out of his face. So I'm hauling butt down a dirt road and I get to pavement and there's a stop sign and I pull up to the stop sign and I see, I thought was Jake's truck pulling up behind me and his rear, his side mirror shattered and just dangling by a wire. And I'm like, Oh my God, this truck hit his side mirror too. Like what is going on? And when the truck pulled up, 
a girl jumped out of the truck and actually wasn't Jake and it wasn't his truck. They had the exact same truck, same color, but it was it was the truck that we that you know we hit each other. And the girl or the mom was um she was pretty upset, man. Uh, she was swearing and yelling at me that I hit and ran them and that I was trying to evade them. So I like got out of my truck and I was so calm because I just was like, I don't know. It was crazy. And so she, she cussed me out, accused me of hitting and running. And I kind of told her I felt the same way. Like I was like, I came to a complete stop, got out of the truck. You guys were gone. Uh, she's like, no, you're paying for my side mirror. And I was like, well, no, you're going to pay for mine. <laughs> and so she said, uh, give me your insurance. I've already called the cops, which was crazy because I don't think there was cell phone service where we were. But um, I was like, well, great. Let's wait for the cops to get here. And she's like, I just want your insurance card. And so you know what I did, guys? I took a picture of her insurance card. I gave her my insurance information. And I drove home. And I don't know what's going to happen. My uh, my insurance called me and asked me about it. And I said, yeah, that did happen. I feel like she hit me. And they said, yeah, that's there's no witnesses. There's no cops. And so if whoever hit me, and it wasn't the girl that hit me. Her husband was driving. He never got out of the truck to even like talk or say what's up. Like he stayed in there with the door shut window up. So uh, for the girl, that was, if you're by chance listening to this podcast, I'm sorry we hit each other. I hope you guys get it figured out. We both should go a little slower in in the dirt roads, I guess, and that could possibly happen to you guys listening. So just check your uh, side mirrors. Now my mirrors are don't stick way out. I don't have towing like side mirrors, and this Dodge that hit me. I mean those things are extended way out for towing. I don't know the rules and laws and all that stuff, but I would hate for that to happen to anyone else. And though it's really ironic is this the exact same road where my buddy Jake who was with me behind me he went hunting last year here in Montana and it, he was moving camp in the middle of the night to move to a different trailhead and hit a cow with his truck a cow elk and man it like literally well we're going to have him on a next podcast or, so you get to hear the full story. But the bottom line is, is his truck was almost like he almost couldn't drive it. The fender was bent in against the wheel well. Uh, he had to get a pry bar just to pry it out, just to limp home. Obviously, his hunt was over because of this incident. His truck was not really drivable, and it cost him a bunch of money and insurance and time to get it fixed. So get a bumper. Don't let your side mirror stick out too far. Watch yourself around corners. Let's get to know John Barclow. This is going to be an awesome podcast. I appreciate you guys listening. Here we go. I should introduce you real quick. So, guys, we are uh, in Montana at an undisclosed barn, man shop, that's 40 by 60, chocked full of always be tinkering gear, bow presses, bow vices, several bows hanging up, all the dead animals. That's the gym in the corner. We're on a man cave couch. I see some cigars, some cigar <laughs> cutters, and then a wall full of gear. I'm at Barclow's crib, and I just basically invited myself over, kind of rudely. I was like, hey, I'm coming over to shoot my bow, which we've done. We've yeah. shot. You got targets out to 100, some 3D, nice Reinhardt targets. Who are you, baller? Those yeah. are some nice 3D targets. And uh, you work for Sika, or Sika works for you. I can't tell the difference, <laughs> but you make really awesome shit. 
and the outdoor space. You have a background in the military. And we have a, we're just going to go right to this announcement. You are launching a brand new, a brand new endeavor. And I'm excited that we're going to talk about it today. So it's probably already launched at the time of this. So it's already out there, guys, if you didn't know about it. But knowledgefromstorms.com. Yep, that's it. Let's go over it. Yeah, so it's, uh, it's outdoor education. If you want to go into the backcountry, go into the wilderness, uh, stay there as long as you want, thrive, enjoy yourself, be super efficient, uh, knowledge from storms can help you do that. So if you're a hunter, if you're a backcountry skier, you know, whatever it is, I backcountry ski, I hunt. Those are the, those are the, the things that I use to kind of communicate. Um, you know, that's what it's all about. It's learn is taking 30 years of, of my experience and knowledge, um, and, and trying to, you know, I like to say lessen the steepness of the learning curve for people. You still have to climb the hill. It's still steep, but you I'm still got it. You still got to climb the hill, yep. but, uh, but hopefully it's not as uh, long a journey as it was for me. Yeah, man. I, I love that. And you vote, you're like, you're an educator, like at the end of the day, like that's a lot of what you did in the military. It's what you do now your day job is you're researching, you're developing, and you're educating, and you're staying sharp. But you do love elk hunting, and that's why people probably come to this podcast. So we're going to get into, guys, your questions from Instagram. Um, I put it out there on the way over here. I just said, hey, y'all know who Barklow is, and if you don't, look him up. I want to tap his knowledge because it's this time of year where people are pretty much in a gear-buying frenzy. I know that I know that. I just know that people yeah. buy their gear, a lot of gear, and lo- some of it gets untested, man. Yeah. And when it should. Which and- is a huge mistake. <sighs> but uh, let's get into them. Let's see what they got. Are you ready? Let's Do you want to try rapid fire? I'll tell you what. I'll give you like a minute or two to answer the question. So you uh, that, really To got- me, that is rapid fire. Oh, God. Here we go. <laughs> David Nolan. Uh, at David Nolan. I, sh- I guess I should have looked at these. Are puffy pants worth the wait for a seven-day end of september pack in last year we hunted opening week and i got over a foot of snow and i wish i'd had them i got snowed on august 31st last year and i didn't have um puffy pants in my system because um i just have never pack them unless it's like october november yeah um but i probably be honest with you john i'm pretty skinny if you, as you can tell and i get cold easy I can see myself wearing puffy pants in my sleeping bag every night. What, should he pack? Should you always pack puffy pants? Uh, as a general rule, I wouldn't in September unless I knew what the weather forecast was. So, like, I think we got snow here third week of September last year in Montana. But normally, I'm I'm waiting till it's you know for me I'm waiting till the snow's on the ground. Uh, you know, days are short, nights are long. That's generally when I'm using puffy pants. Okay. That makes sense. So when this guy has a question, and I don't know if it was for the, for, for us, but I'm going to make it. So it says I'm going to need some serious inexpensive pants and jacket because he has a new baby on the way, and he wanted to know if there was any options or get a second opinion. And it's funny because I'm sponsored by a different company that would prefer me to tell listeners to buy their stuff, and you work for – a different company but at the end of the day we're trying to help people so yeah what is like let's say man money is tight yeah do you have any solutions Because this could be a real thing yeah for sure no um i think for a, a good soft shell pair of pants it's very tried and true and tested in the market prana zion is a really good it, how do you spell that 
P-R-A-N-A, prana, and then Zion, Z-I-O-N. So they're not going to be camo, but they're going to be subdued color. And I think for a great set of inexpensive rain gear that, you know, it's not going to be the most durable. You might have to replace it every year, year and a half. Uh, it's like a Marmot Precip. Um, oh, okay. Just a great, you know, just a great lightweight set. Not a lot of features, but it's it's effective. And if, you know, you want good gear, but you can't spend a lot of money for, you know, uh, you know, really nice camo or the super high-end stuff that's going to last longer, um, you, you can definitely have a few things like that and, and then just begin that journey, right? And then just as time goes on, just invest in a few pieces and invest in a few more pieces and, and then eventually you'll have, you know, ultimately what you want. But those those couple things will definitely get you started. Mm, that's wisdom. So that was Danny B at Dan B0516. Thanks for the question. Appreciate it. All right. Matt A, ask why his go-to, oh, ask what his go-to would be for the foothills of Alberta mule deer hunting in late October where the temps can range from 20 to 50 degrees. <laughs> so I think he's assuming you've hunted Alberta. I, I have several times, yeah. So what do you think, what would your go-to be for that, that situation? Again, foothills, so undulation, 20 to 50 degrees spread. Yeah, so for, for me it's, the, uh, it's that apex system, and then I'm integrating – uh, wind stopper. So I use a pair of uh, wind stopper um, bike shorts. They don't have the padding in them, but they're wind stopper bike shorts. So I wear that under my apex and then I wear a lightweight uh, windbreaker underneath my apex top. So I've got quiet, but I've got a wind stopper to block the wind and keep me warm. And then I always have a puffy in my pack. And me and Snyder did a hunt with Frank several years ago that was absolutely just brutal up there. Dude, what did it get to? Oh, dude, the winds was were it the like. Winds? Oh, it was just, it was literally, I stalked a deer. Frank did, I think we all did that year. Um, we stalked in puffy pants and puffy jackets. It was that cold. Oh and then gosh. we'd get into position and take the jacket off so we could shoot. It was just brutal. Very unusual, but brutal. Yeah. So you really couldn't, like, once you took the said puffy layers off like you had a window of time to where you better get a shot off exactly because you're not going to sit there in, in ambush mode yeah it was just oh, that makes sense it was tough all right ask barklow this is from chance lung question number one what first aid necessities need to be in everyone's backcountry elk pack does that change from bow to rifle season and he's got two other questions we'll start with that one uh so i think the medical kit's kind of the medical kit i think when you're archery hunting uh, you know, the, the chances of a, a puncture wound or a laceration from a knife or a broadhead are probably better um, than if you're rifle hunting. I think you need to uh, be prepared for a gunshot wound. Yeah. So um, tourniquet, quick clot, I think no matter what, that would be two things that I would carry that maybe not everybody does um, in their in their backcountry kit. Because you're around weapons, you're around sharp things. Um, yeah. You know. Yeah, the quick clot expires too, y'all. It so does. Mine's expiring this August. No, I gotta and update. you have to replace it. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. And I'm not a firefighter anymore, so I can't steal from the fire department. Sorry, <laughs> fire department. I'm just joking. I would never do that. Um, this is a great question. This, again, Chance Young. What is the best way to layer up when sleeping in a sleeping bag? For example, skin to bag, skin to puffy to bag, or skin to base layer to bag? What's the order? Is it just to keep warm? 
So I, I, you know, I'm a big proponent of sleeping in my clothes. If okay. I have a puffy jacket and pants, I'm bringing that, and I'm I am planning on wearing that inside my sleeping bag as a complete system. So that's how I can take a pretty lightweight sleeping bag, say a 28 or 30 degree bag, and take it down to single digits. Ballsy. Um, yeah, I'm. I've done that for 20 years. You must be a warmer guy than me. Well, there's lots. There's we could do a whole podcast on how to sleep in a sleeping bag but um but generally speaking i always have my base layers on i always have my pants on so i literally and figuratively don't want to get caught with my pants down so if i got to get up and take a leak run a bear out of camp shovel my tent out fix an anchor i don't want to have to put my pants on amen to that it's the ability to dry my pants out and then i normally always have my puffy jacket on yep and but when it gets cold then i'm putting puffy pants on as well i'm going to glass in that puffy jacket and pants yep I'm going to sleep in it to supplement that bag. What beanie are you wearing? Uh, I, I have a couple, but just a wool beanie. Any it, wool? Yeah. Type? Yeah. Okay. Something like that. I think that's critical. Back when I uh, I used to wear this hat from Sitka. It was like this Elmer Fudd hat. Oh, Did the uh, Jetstream. No, I didn't. Oh, I oh no, no, no. The, uh, the Kamchatka hat. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Is yeah. that you? That was me. Yeah. Good job. The Russians loved me. <laughs> <laughs> Is it faster to dry wet technical hunting clothing by just wearing them or hanging them up in a tree for wind to dry? I mean, that's kind of a vague question, but do your best with that. So I think the best way to dry technical clothing is on your body and using your body as a heat source. Um, If you have a couple layers that you don't, you know, you're not wearing at the time, you can certainly hang them on a bush or hang them in a tree. Um, But when you go to bed at night and your stuff's wet, you have to wear it to bed. Um, but yeah, if, if it's windy out and you don't need a certain jacket or you want to dry your sleeping bag, you certainly can do that. That makes sense. That makes sense. And I think honestly, like this is all stuff that John's done in the field. So like, these aren't like, this is not theory, right? No, there's no theory here. (laughs) This is all stuff that's gone wrong. And we're trying to figure out ways for you to mitigate these curveballs that are going to be thrown at you so that you can hunt better or stay longer, hunt further, whatever you want to, whatever you want to call it. All right. Barlow questions. It's actually Barklow, but uh, this is from Brent Steven. Could you ask, maybe autocorrect, maybe it autocorrect him. <laughs> Could you ask him about scent, body, order, odor? The smell on your gear, et cetera. I just got new hunting clothes and a brand new Kufaru pack that I would like to throw some weight in and hit the trail, hit the trails, but I don't want to stink them up. How much should I worry about that? Thanks, Brent. So, so my opinion is not at all. Um, you know, I don't know about you, Dan, but I could wash all my stuff like a whitetail hunter. And after, you know, the first six hours up the trail in the mountains, uh, it's stinking. So you got to hunt with the wind in your face. And um, I just don't worry about scent when I'm on a backcountry trip. Yep, um, 100%. Now, I will say about the backpack thing, like I don't like putting 50, 60, 70-pound dumbbells in my hunting backpack from Kufaru that's really expensive and I want to last a long time. So that's the only concern I well, would cause say. Well, because that will wear it out. Yeah. I'm not worried about the smell, but that but will smells, wear it out. Yeah, yeah. yeah no. No, not a concern. I'll wear a weight vest or something like something different. But uh, yeah, no, I'll, I'll be honest, man. There might have been a day or two in my very first year of elk hunting where I would buy like elk piss in a bottle and spray that shit all yeah, over me. And yeah. uh, looking back, it's kind of funny now because heading west, 
or at Head and West wants to know. I know this guy; he's a cool dude. Uh, wondering what Barclow carries in the backcountry for a miscellaneous bow repair kit. <laughs> we just talked about this yeah. uh, something earlier. Uh, so let me think here real quick. So some Allen wrenches, uh, some serving thread, uh, a lighter so you can melt, uh, some super glue. I'm trying to think what else. Um, that's it. So if you, if you, with those couple things, like with an Allen wrench, I can pull a bow back halfway. I can slide it normally between a hole in the cam and the, uh, and the limbs and fix a peep. Uh, or, you know, obviously you should know how to serve so you can, you know, if you had to replace the center serving, maybe a little D loop cable, um, some Allen wrenches in case something gets knocked around that you can tighten it up. And then sometimes just a little bit of super glue. So if something starts to come undone, you can glue it shut or glue it tight just, just for the rest of the trip. Get the job done. Just for the rest of the trip. I feel that. That's great advice. Uh, Daniel D. Solsi says, what is the, what is your favorite gear, Mr. Barclow, stuff like what is your go-to tent or pack to consider um, as it pertains to elk hunting? So I guess you're assuming that it's just the window of September. Yeah. I think that's what he's assuming. Yeah. So I'm trying to help narrow on the question because I know that's a very vague question. Yeah. So I, I'm not going to, I mean, there's lots of great packs out there i mean obviously i've made a pack for sitka um i, I like kafaru's stuff obviously i would say to maybe answer his question a little more specifically something in the neighborhood of around four thousand cubic inches depending yeah. if you're going out for the day and want to get meat back in a head i think it depends if you're in bear country you know do you have to get it out in one pole do you have <laughs> friends you know do you yeah. have friends to yep. help you um you know i, I don't think you you need something that can carry a lot of weight, yeah. right? If you're going to carry a quarter out, what is that, 70 pounds? Like realistically, deboned or regular, like bone in, 70, 70? Yeah. I mean, we're not talking Roosevelt elk. We're talking just a normal yeah. rocky. 70. So like Sitka has one called the, the Mountain Hauler 4000. I like. I think that's a great pack. And then um, what's the one that Kafaru like a 44 makes. mag is probably going to fit that. Yeah, and what's the other one? Oh, the Striker XL Stryker. is another really good one. So Striker XL, 44 mag, um, Mountain Hauler, 4,000, and then we have a 6,200 that's probably more for like a 7 to 10-day trip. So I'd say that 4,000-ish general cubic cubic inch, but the, the frame's got to support. I think the frame has to be built to support 100 pounds easy. Oh, yeah, and – You've you know, got to have some sort of load lifters. Load lifters, good padding, and not every pack's going to fit the same person the same way. So it's tough because they're expensive. You don't want to buy a bunch, but you but you should probably try a few on um, before you commit. Okay, this is from Patrick uh, at Patty Huff nine five. We kind of already answered this first question. He wanted to know what like two core essentials in a first aid kit. I think you said them best with tourniquet. Blood quick, clot quick or clot, quick clot yeah. that's not expired. Yeah. And then um, this one is, I'm gonna. I want to know your answer. He said, um, "What is the best option in your opinion for a backcountry pillow?" <laughs> and as I get older, I really appreciate that question because I used to not carry a pillow. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm gonna sound like an old man. I mean, I. I so I don't carry a pillow if it's a backcountry hunt. 
but normally what I'll do is I'll take like I'll have a uh, a small dry bag or something inside my pack that my sleeping bag and, and clothes and stuff will fit in. I'll take that and I'll put anything I'm not wearing in that and you know, kind of tie it up as good as I can and then put it underneath uh, the head of my sleeping bag. And, Are and you that's a back sleeper, side sleeper, all the above? Uh, side sleeper generally in the okay. backcountry. I yeah. noticed I didn't ask you if you sleep on your stomach because real men don't sleep on their stomach. There's no way I could do that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know they're I out haven't there. Been, I haven't been to prison yet. So. <laughs> um. <laughs> oh, that's good. Sleeping bag or quilt and why? For backpacking, hunting, since it is super lightweight, um, thanks for representing the industry well. That's from Tanner Harris at hunting underscore Tennessee. So, Jonathan, bag or quilt, why? Yeah, so bag. Um, to me, a, a sleeping bag is an extension of your clothing system. I think it's a, a piece of um, vital emergency gear in a worst-case scenario. I like to call it a sanctuary from the cold in your last line of defense. So if everything goes shitty... Like you have the ability to climb in that bag and stay warm and that bag should function in the worst case scenario. So, you know, wet out, et cetera. Um, to me, I don't go in environments or places I feel comfortable enough that a quilt is really going to do anything for me. What I would do before a quilt and what I did even last year, early season elk is I will bring a puffy jacket and pants and I will lay uh, on a ground pad or on a ground pad in a bivy sack before I will bring a quilt. So, so to me, that's me more you've functional. you've gone in a bivy sack only and just puffies? With puffy jacket and pants. Dude, you're a gangster. To, to, me, to me, that is more functional than a quilt for me. I'm going to take your word for it, and I'm not, uh, I don't know how much quilts are, but they're not for me. I can tell you right now. I'm yeah, just... they're, not, they're not for me. Not in the backcountry. If right. I'm going in the backcountry with my girlfriend when I'm 17 years old, maybe a quilt is good. <laughs> good idea, but... <laughs> I love that. Hunting first week of elk in Colorado, elevation from 9 to 12K. What sort of UV protection would you recommend clothing-wise? This is a great question. Something like an OR Echo hoodie or something similar. This is from Joey Bennett at JBennettT64. Yeah, so I think he's he's got the right train of thought. I mean, you definitely have to figure out uv protection people don't think about that man no they don't you. and you know there's a lot of good stuff out there um i, I i'm not going to know all of them but like there's a lot of fishing clothing um sick has got some stuff but normally you're looking for an f s or upf of at least 30 probably 50 if you can get it okay the problem is you give up breathability of the textile when you start going higher breathability or a higher upf or you have to start putting a lot of uh chemicals in it but I'd say at least 30 and then have a really good um, like sunscreen. Like there's a company called uh, Protect Products and they've got a, a clear, um, it's a clear um, zinc oxide. Huh. So 100% protection, but it's clear. It's not going to look white all over your face or pink or anything like that. Um, and there's even some camo paints that you can wear that have good UPFs. So, you know, you want to try to cover up. And I'm, I'm a real big fan of hoodies because of that. Do you have that. any, like, so on your website, sorry to interrupt, do you have links to any of these stuff yet? Oh, on my personal website? Uh, yes. Knowledge well, from Storms. Are you going to, like. Damn it, Dan. Now I'm going to have to add it. No, sorry. I don't I don't have that. But that's a great, that's I a mean, great call. No, that's a great it call. It wouldn't hurt. Yeah. Just to kind of have, okay, well, either way. 
when I'm editing this, I'm telling myself right now, Dan, put this in the show notes. Hydration question, what is your primary and secondary means of water filtration, purification? I guess, again, I'm going to help get these guys on track, let's say, in terms of September elk hunting. Okay. Because you've, you've been everywhere to the Arctic. Yeah. And I'm sure you get water a little different there than you, you do. do. So let's talk yep. in the context is, let's say, September. And we're going to interrupt this podcast for a quick little message from Black Rifle Coffee Company. These guys make amazing coffee here in the U.S. and they're veteran owned and they're proudly American and unapologetic. I appreciate that. If you guys are interested in joining their coffee club or picking up maybe some swag, ready to drinks, or check out that new flying elk roast flavor, use the discount code ELKSHAPE and that'll save you 15%. Also, Kafaru International. This is the backpack of choice for elk hunters. I use the Hoodlum or the 44 Mag. You guys need to check out Kafaru International if you are serious about packing out large loads of perfect protein off the mountain. Head over to kafaru.net to learn more. We're also brought to you by Onyx Hunt, the number one hunting GPS app. I've pretty much gone away from using an old school GPS. Obviously I still carry like an inReach, but all my hunting maps are stored and executed with the Onyx. This is the fastest downloading offline maps out there, as well as the most resilient, bulletproof. Not gonna crash on you when you need it most. I run tracking most days while elk hunting, and I found Onyx to be the most reliable hunting GPS app out there. Check it out today. And finally, Baku e-bikes. These are e-bikes made for hunters by hunters. This is a game changer for elk hunting as well as bear hunting, checking your tree stand trail cams, getting in and out quietly. I rock the mule. Use the discount code ELKSHAPE to knock $300 off your purchase. And if you do that, you might as well just go ahead and apply that discount towards a folding cargo trailer so you can put your elk quarters and haul them out back to the truck. Yeah, so this, there's there's a lot to this question, but just for the sake of time, figure out what that water source is going to be in your in your in your area, right? Is it coming off a, a snowfield? Is it down on some creek? Um, you know, is it going to be muddy? Is it going to be clear? So you have a couple options: one, uh, filtration or purification. Mostly in the U.S., we can get away with just filtration. Um, so I like filtration. There's some really good pumps out there, but I think depending on how many people, um, what if you like your water to taste like shit? Like I do, I love water that tastes like shit. So I just steri pen it. Steri pen it. I know. Yeah. The problem is if it's really silty, steri pens, like the effectiveness is kind of cut down a little mm-hmm. bit. So, you know, it's like, listen, so last year, again, last year, early season, we had this little seep and I didn't know it the first time we went in there, but then I saw it. And I was like, oh, there's no water. And then I'm like, oh, there's a little seep. And I'm like, well, I can't pump it because there's not enough. So I took a gravity-fed system where I have one bag that I could funnel the water into the first bag. And then I could – That's your dirty bag. I could just – the dirty bag. Then I could hold it up or I actually hooked it to a rock. And then it fed gravity, fed it down through the hose, through the filter – into the clean bag, so I could get three liters of water so at a time much, and then that's out of that sleeping. little seep. Yeah, and that was for two guys, right? Oh, so yeah. it's like, get three liters, give it to one guy. 
get three liters, give it to me, right? Put it in my bladder and then get three more liters and carry that extra three liters to camp. So the gravity system was the best, right? I have a question on this, this seep. So Lampers and I were in Nevada one year, way back there, and we had the seat by camp. And if you came, like, if you came rolling into camp in the evening, like, you'd be like, oh, there's no water here. But yeah. if you woke up in the morning for mm, some reason, mm-hmm. and maybe you know why, like, you could get your water. And so we actually it didn't take us long to figure out, get your water right when you wake up in the morning. Yeah. And do you know why that is? Or I, is I, just, I don't. I would almost think it would be the opposite. But I'm not really right? sure. It was morning only. That was. I your mean, maybe it was so doggone hot that it was just evaporating most of mm. it. I don't really know. It is Nevada. Yeah, I don't really know, mm. but I, I think it's really critical because I mean, you know this, Dan. Without water, that's going to push you out of the backcountry qu- as quick as that'll be, that'll be the thing that'll push you out. If I you don't get I'll, water, yeah. you're, you're you're only you're you're marking time. Mm. That's a good point. So you're not a steady pin guy per se. Uh, I can be, but it yeah. is, it just depends what it is. You know, I got Giardia a couple of years ago in northern BC, and I never want to have that again. And it was my fault, you know. Same here. I've had it, not from BC. Yeah, it, it's a never again situation. It, yeah, it's, it's a never again situation. So but, you carry but, iodine but no, tabs always as a backup, backup, backup. No, no, not iodine tabs. I carry like a Aquamira or Acupure. So you know, What's a the chlorine, difference? chlorine dioxide. Thank you. You want to use chlorine dioxide. You do not want to use iodine anymore. Um, I always carry some on my person just in case like survival situation or can't, you know, whatever reason you want to be able to at least purify it as best you can. Um, SteriPen's good. If you're going high country, Mm -hmm. clear streams, whatever, you know, SteriPen's going to work great. No problem. But understand the limitations. So it's not, to your point, it's not going to take the taste out. It's not going to taste floaties out. So do you want to strain it through a bandana or your dirty underwear, you know, if you need to? Like, Ooh, that's next right? Level. So you got to figure that out. <laughs> like, you got to figure that stuff out, you know? But but it's super quick and easy. SteriPen yeah. is, like, so efficient and mm. so fast. So Yeah, last year was my first year running it, uh, and I really enjoyed it. But I could see, like, I went to three different states for elk hunts last year, and I could see how it would work for two out of the three. Yep. But there was one state where it was like, dude, I drank some pretty – gross tasting water yeah it's 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 so critical to pick the right tool for the right job that mm. way all right so this guy wants to know well first off i'm gonna tell you his it's at aj denitis denitis and he wants to know why does Sika have no zips or way to vent on the hips i think that's his question and yeah. i was like yeah okay. I, I get this question quite often oh, okay. and uh so I, I tell you uh, two things. So one, we try to build the pants for the pursuit. And I would say that our early season pant breathes incredibly well, our ascent pant. Um, I've got mesh hand pockets that are open that act as a bellows to pump heat out. And you can also unzip the zippers on the thigh pockets that are mesh backed. And there's your vents as well. I'm doing that and still providing some functionality and not trying to add weight and or a weak spot because zippers can break. Um, but I will tell you that we do have some pants um, coming out. Oh, I almost said it. We have some pants coming out with some, some hip, hip vents. Um, so it's, it's not something we've done in the past, but we are looking at it, but it will not be something we, we put across the entire line. Bo, you heard it here first. Uh, what GPS and sat phone do you guys recommend? And 
they're asking you, not me. I'm not giving yeah. my recommendation. Also, what boots for early to mid hunting do you guys recommend? That's Dominic uh, at Line Drew 24. Thanks for the question. Go ahead. Let's start with GPS units. Well, so I, I use a Garmin, and I, quite frankly, off the top of my head, I can't tell you the exact unit, but uh, sometimes I carry a GPS. A lot of times I'm, I'm using my, my phone now. Like no in-reach with you at all times? Always an in-reach. Okay, okay. Oh, always when an in-reach. When I think GPS, I think, oh, in-reach. Yeah, just so I can communicate. Yeah. I don't think a GPS like in the terms of like I, what I used to bring, like a Garmin, Oregon. C- correct, you know, correct. You don't carry a GPS. There, there's, 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 there's times that I do, but for the most part, I'm carrying my phone with the mapping software, downloaded maps if I need to offline, and my in-reach. And those two communicate and pair so that I can text. So there's no satellite phones anymore. I mean, you know, I used to dating myself, but, you know, I, I used to go out hunting by myself in Alaska where, you know, satellite phones, there weren't even enough satellites to get the phones to work. Or like <laughs> one hour a day you could get, you know, some signal. But anymore with an inReach and a phone, I, j- I just think you're, you're covered. Dude, we're pouring through these questions pretty good. Uh, when you have Barklow cornered, <laughs> oh, hold on. I got to make sure I don't. Maybe I shouldn't read this out loud. When you have Barclay cornered, the Arrow Light collection, yep. choosing and fitting a pack, especially out west where zero stores carry the options to try on before buying. I feel that. And how you prepare, John, physically for the mountains. That's a lot there. Let's start with the Arrow Light collection. So when this comes out, I'll be able to say this. So we have the Aerolite sleeping bag that just launched. Um, and then in mid-July, when this will probably air, we'll have an Aerolite jacket and an Aerolite vest. And so uh, Aerolite's the name we've, we've applied to it, but basically it's this Primalof Gold with cross-core technology. Why is that cool? So if you can imagine a strand of hair or a strand of insulation, not the whole thing, but one strand, Inside that strand of insulation is essentially aerogel or honeycombed air. And the reason that's cool is because air is a great insulator, the best. And the insulation is very efficient now because as opposed to just having, say, a solid strand of insulation, you have a strand of insulation with these little balls of air in there. The The warmth properties of that are off the charts because even if the insulation physically compresses, you still have that dead air from the aerogel trapped in there. And so the, what we call dry clow or the dry warmth is really good, but the wet clow or warmth when wet is literally through the roof. And so we're able to get an insulation that's just as warm, a little bit lighter, but a lot thinner. So now you have really good mobility, really good compressibility in a synthetic um that you know quite frankly can it's kind of idiot proof like synthetic just works no matter what happens to it so Beautiful. depending on the types of hunt you're going on or the experience level you have it's a really really good um option and i'm excited about it you know been able to use it for years um what do you ask about boots yeah john this is by this jonathan ishi he's a stud i've, I've met this oh guy. yeah he, yeah he uh we communicate quite a Do bit. You? Yeah. Okay, so he's he's all I mean he's all into this stuff. So um, I guess he was kind of asking about like choosing and fitting a pack. Mm. Um, he lives I think he lives in Tennessee. I'm not sure. Oh I can't man, remember. yeah. So it's just tough. Like you can't 
physically try it on. There's not dealers nearby. No. You want to invest in a legitimate backpack. Um, honestly, I don't know. What do you got from on that? That's a tough one. It, well, so I would say that any reputable brand would allow you to buy it. And if it doesn't fit, send Return it label. back. Yeah. Right. But when you're going to fit it, you're going to be able to find quite a few videos online. Uh, Kafar, as an example, has you know, some really good ones to figure out how to fit it. But I just talked to a gentleman last week and the one thing you have to do is make sure that there's, let's just say between 30 and 40 pounds in the pack. And if you can put 30, 40 pounds of real gear in there, it's better. And you have to fit that pack with some weight in it. So it actually is hanging off your body like it actually would. And then if it doesn't work, you got to send it back. And honestly, where sometimes it's torso length, a lot of them are adjustable, and then sometimes just waist belts don't fit people. So if you're a super small person or a super big person, you know, and maybe calling customer service and asking whatever company you're interested in, like, hey, what what size does you know? They waist, should have this, somebody. To they should the absolutely phone. have those kind of specs. But but it's a tough one because a pack's an investment. It's not something you're going to buy every year. No. And I'd put it up there as one of the top three investments. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Yeah. Because uh, uh, I don't know, out of all the elk you've killed, John, how many times have you not had a backpack on when you got the shot? Seems like Ooh. like a few, <laughs> maybe. A few, but not but, very many. But the backpack is just part of you. It, yeah. So you better it better. It's got to feel like yeah. an extension of your body. Uh, how crucial, and this is from Michael Brusco at Billy Brusco, how crucial are personal beacons if you're hunting backcountry, how crucial is it to carry a handgun in bear country? I know it's a personal preference, yeah. but what is your recommended caliber? So two questions, the beacon and the gun spray, bear spray debate. So if you're by yourself, like you need, I don't know what he means by beacon. Is it like an inReach where you punch an SOS? Like, I would assume. I think it's critical. I call that risk mitigation. Mm. I, I did it for years without that. I you put did. my poor wife through a lots of stuff, you know avalanches and and falls and i mean you name it right and i'm hunting in bear country by myself and but i would never do it now never without my inreach um to be able to communicate via text or to be able to punch sos if i need to yep um so i assume that's what he's talking about as far as bear spray or handgun it, it's really quite frankly i go back and forth um I think if you, you have to understand the limitations of both. I've been, no, I wouldn't say charged. I wouldn't go so far as to say charged. I've had very close encounters with bears in the backcountry, and every one of them, there's no way. The reaction of the bear in me, there was no way, quite frankly, if the bear wanted to come at me, that I could have deployed a weapon, be it a handgun or bear spray quick enough. Dang. Just that fast. Even like a Glock 20 with one in the hole and 15 in the magazine? I couldn't have gotten – I mean, Nothing. it's not like I got a sub-second draw in the backcountry <laughs> with a pack on and a bow in my hand. and So you have to factor that in, right? But there, there's limitations. So you get off one round. If you miss, do you get a second, right? Did, did you meet Bob Lagasa when he, after he got – Yeah. Like, you know Bob, don't you? Yeah. So yeah. we just did a full, I don't know when that video drops, but we did a full, full interview bear oh, spray awesome. video yeah. uh, for YouTube. And Bob's the man. Bob's the man. I love Bob. Uh, but he, man, bear spray saved his life. Bear spray for, saved his no, life. No, for sure. And I, but, but, but they, but it has limitations too. So yeah. 
wind speed, wind direction, uh, you know, the distance that you choose to deploy it from the bear. Like, how do you know? Yeah, like you, you don't know, and, and that's and that's my point. You know, buy buy a buy a bear training canister, figure it out, shoot your pistol, shoot your pistol with all your shit on, hold oh, your rifle yeah. or your bow in your hand. Are you a chest holster, hip holster? Where are you with your hand piece? Uh, it depends what I'm using. I would prefer it on my chest. Yeah. And I would prefer it not on the waist belt of my pack if I could help oh, it. Oh, God, no. Right? So I'd prefer it on my chest. What do you carry I, in bear I, country? I have carried for, you know, whatever, almost going on 20 years, a, a 44 revolver um, that I'm very comfortable shooting. So you got six? So I have six, but um, depending on what I'm doing, <clears throat> my first two might be actually um, <laughs> snake shot. Yeah. So they, they make noise. And they put out a few little pellets, and maybe I kill a grouse with one. That's cool. And I go snake shot, snake shot, sometimes, most of the time. And then it's four rounds of 300 grain uh, flat nose. Oh. So, you know, solid. So, and it's like, give the thing a chance, try Mm. to turn it. Most of the time, it's not going to come at you. (sighs) Yeah. So, you know what? There's no perfect answer. Everybody's got their own um, their own risk assessment of that. I've, I've got a fishery biologist friend who lives up there. He's lived up there most of his life. He's had to kill two bears on rivers, uh, for what they call life or property, right? So bears for just whatever reason had a bad attitude and he's the one that taught me and he went, um, he went, uh, bird shot. I think it was bird shot, buck shot, and then slugs. And, the bird shot didn't stop him to the face. The buckshot didn't stop the bear to the face. And then, you know, and then you're killing it. So he's had to do that twice. So, you know, these are the risks we take when we go in the backcountry. We were just talking about bears today. These grizzly bears down here, quite frankly, scare me a hell of a lot more than any bear ever in Alaska. Because the bears in Alaska were hunted, and they had a natural, healthy fear of humans. And the humans had a natural respect for the bear, and it just worked out. And down here, it just seems like it's all one-sided. So I would say, depending on the area I'm going to, I'm probably not going to carry both. I'm going to choose one or the other. Um, if I'm rifle hunting, the guy just asked me today, it's like, I Wait want some. Rifle hunting, are you, you going to carry an additional uh, handgun? If you're, are you going to carry a handgun or a bear spray? And I said, I want something agile and mobile that I can bring into my tent, that I can deploy quickly, close range, or like if I'm bent over, Right. You know, cutting up an cutting animal. Cutting up that oak. And I've got my rifle leaned against a tree. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, but I'm probably going to bring bear spray if I have a rifle, you know. Um, yeah. The it, whole tent situation doesn't sound like a fun time with bear spray. And talking to Bob Lagasa, he's No, sprayed, that's the tough part, right? He sprayed because himself in the face. Exactly. And his buddy sprayed him with it while he was spraying the bear. And he was pretty, he's pretty messed up. I, I have seen um, probably... Eight to ten people spray themselves or their buddy in their face with bear spray. Some of them point blank range. And it doesn't blind them, but it puts them down really hard. And if you've got a couple more days of hiking, that guy's suffering the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, I sprayed a can on video last year at Antelope Camp uh, just because <laughs> it expired. Oh, okay. And I never had deployed one. And so sprayed it. And obviously, I knew which way the wind was blowing, and it didn't matter, dude. Like, somehow, some of it just got me a little. I sneezed probably, this is no exaggeration, 20-plus times in a row. I've never sneezed that many times in a row. It was terrible. And then 
when we shot this video with Bob, we, we did we did all the training canisters. I used the training canister. My wife did. My dad, uh -huh. producer Tim. And then Bob was like, oh, I got some – I got a half bottle. I don't want to spray it out here. I was like, oh, let's go to my – you know, go to the neighboring field. Dude, we sprayed it. The wind was blowing. Perfect. He must have got some on him because when we went into my office, I started coughing again, and I got – it was on him somehow, on his fingers somehow. And so it's just like, that shit's nasty. It, it is. It, it, it needs to be, yeah. you know. Uh, you know, a buddy of mine, uh, one of our designers um, who lives here, he just, he just built his own bear spray uh, holster. Oh, badass. It's called, it's called Barisol. <laughs> but what's awesome about this is you buy the holster, it'll mount on a bike or dirt bike handlebars. Um, you can hike with it. You can run with it. You can walk with it with a trekking pole. Because if you're in brushy country like and that, that bear, so boom, you just, tracker. yep, and you just hammer it, right? And, um, or you can, it's uh, got a molly, so you can put it on like a, a chest rig or something like that. So it's very versatile, but you got, you got to have it handy. And then you just have to understand the limitations. And I don't know, it's getting tough, man. It, it's getting tough to figure out you want to do the right thing for the bear, but you got to do the right thing for you too, you know? Well, guys, I think we've gone yeah. um, quite a few <laughs> questions here. Jeez. Uh, what John doesn't know, and you guys see is I'm going to try to go Instagram live for a minute because you've never done it. You've never gone live? No. What if nobody shows up? That's impossible. What if none of my friends show up, Dan? Oh, I don't have very good – wait, I might not want to. You have two bars here? Uh, You should – no, well, I normally have better than that, but maybe not. Are you Verizon or AT&T? Uh, what am I? AT&T. Okay. You know, comment below. Our, my my buddy's got AT&T, and he's been whipping my butt in the mountains. He's been getting one more bar than me everywhere and getting texts out and stuff. So says we're telling your followers that you've started a live video. <laughs> Let me see if I can get this to where... <laughs> Where? So sorry, guys. We're we're going live on Instagram. Answer some questions. This will be on the podcast as well. Me and John will get cozy. What's up, guys? Uh, don't know if you can seriously already. They're they're yeah. clicking in. Oh yeah, they're in. Jay Barklow, <laughs> big game extraordinaire. Uh, you guys sent us a lot of questions. We answered several of them on the podcast. We're actually recording right now. That's why we're wearing these headsets. Uh, we're in. Uh, we're in his man cave barn. He's got an ABT station, always be tinkering. And, uh, you guys probably have, uh, oh, you got a pretty good archery range. Are those, uh, are those Reinhardt targets? Most of them. Yeah. Do you, are you from like oil money or something? How did you afford all those 3d targets? A lot of time. <laughs> yep. I really actually just jealous. I want those Reinhardt targets seem to be the best. I, I don't know if I should tell my secret of don't. how I really got them, but will it compromise you getting more down the road? Um, potentially. Oh, I don't know if you want to. What's up, Instagram peoples? I would just say if you're at a TAC event this year, you should ask the people if they've got any old targets they want to get rid of for a good price. Very okay. I'm bringing cash. And Sean DeGray, I'm buying your targets. <laughs> yeah. All right, see if there's any questions here on IG. If you guys aren't following Mr. Barkla, you should, as well as be on the lookout for this podcast. It'll drop in a week or two. We got some big – He, you, you did some announcements. I did. He dropped some announcements here. So 
I saw a question up there. Um, what up? We have so we have see that number. We have seventy nine people that aren't at their jobs right now. They're at oh, eighty one oh. people. How did they know, Dan? I'm fascinated by this. So seventy nine people are just waiting for you to go live, huh? Freshwater bike called you the powerful John Barklow. <laughs> I don't know about that. Have you been on Rogan? No. Uh. Uh-uh. Joe Rogan, get him on there. What's up from Al- Alabama, bearded archery hunter? When you elk shape camps going up for reservations? Uh, we'll post. We got the dates. We got the locations. Just working out the kinks, trying to get uh, figure out the subject matter experts. Like this guy, try to line everybody out. Um, this guy's looking to get his first bow in two months after his surgery. Right on. Corbin's Archery. What's up, Corbin? Uh, what is a good hunting pack, Mr. Barklow? Oh, we were just talking about that. I mean, there's some really good ones. Um, Striker XL I've been using from Kafaru. You said the 44 mag. Um, obviously, I like the Sika Mountain Hauler 4000. I think anything kind of in that realm those couple companies are really good um those are the ones i've tried i've, I've used some mysteries in the past um I, we were just saying if you can go and try one on make sure you got some weight in it when you do it and uh it's kind of personal preference cool uh matt Alwyn says archery sucks it's because matt Alwyn is do you know who that is <laughs> no. matt Alwyn's one of the best archers who never shoots his bow um oh so i so i hate him already i hate him he's he's gifted uh and he can talk crap and out shoot you he's one of those guys when do we get the apex in a different color Ooh, stand by okay uh i don't even know what the apex is but it sounds cool no we were talking about that the apex (laughs) i know i know uh elk shape camps in canada when the borders open that would be cool any excuse to go north John, what is your go-to backpack hunting tent? I'm a big Hilleberg guy. I'm a big fan of a, either a super small two-person or a single uh, double-wall tent. Um, if, if the conditions are really warm, like we were talking early season, I'll just wear a puffy jacket and vest and climb in a bivy sack with a, with a ground pad, and that'll be it. Nice. I – yes, I agree. The – when are you going to get John to switch over to Matthews? You know, I uh, <laughs> looking around here. I don't know if anytime soon, honestly. Um, but you guys got to see his archery range. In fact, I'll try to post something on Instagram stories so you can see his archery range. Oh, Bynum Life wants to know if you're a baller or a folder when it comes to wiping. So, <laughs> squares? Do you fold them? Or yes. Do you, yeah. I, I. You know what? I've never been asked that question. I guess I'm a folder. We asked everybody at Elk Shape Camps. Oh, question. really? Yep. Yeah. And uh, I'd say 99% of people are folders, so that's good. Uh, top three must-haves in your pack for a multi-day hunt, Mr. Barklow. Uh, puffy jacket. Hmm, for a multi-day hunt. Yeah, puffy jacket in reach and um, water filter. Water filter. What is your go-to elk broadhead? We just did a video on it for an upcoming YouTube video, but we'll, we'll tease it here. Yeah, so I've been using um, the, uh, the Grim Reapers uh, last year with the exceptional results. Going to use them again this year. Uh, two different ones, uh, Pro 3-Blade and the uh, Pro Hybrid. 
The Pro Hybrid. So that's the base, like a two blade with with two uh, expandable blades. Expandable. So like a hybrid. Uh, what about an elk shape camp out east, bro? We were in Pennsylvania last year, and we're coming back next year. I just leaked one of them. Uh, Ruben, I'm not sure what his question. Oh, your go-to snack on the mountain for Ruben? What's your go-to snack on the mountain? Hmm. Like it, like it doesn't matter. You're not gonna covet my food. This is always going to sound good for you. Like it, you know what I mean? Like that one piece of food that's just like always sounds good in the backcountry. Chili Mac. From Mountain House? Yeah. What the hell? It's not a snack, but that's all I eat. So maybe I'll have a beef stroganoff, but normally Chili Mac with beef jerky. Are you a Mountain House guy? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So if you gave me a gaggle of Mountain Houses, I would pick all the Chili Macs out. Give them to me. I'm, gi- I'm giving them to you. I've got a case of them right there. I think people's minds are blown. So there you go. Well, guys, we're going to say goodbye to you here. I just wanted to let you know this podcast is coming out. We're going to talk about his new little thing he's got going on. And um, it's going to be an awesome podcast, probably a drop in two weeks or so. We're doing some Elk Collective stuff, and we're doing some Elk Shape YouTube stuff, and we're just shooting bows. So appreciate you coming on. Uh, ABT, we'll catch you on the next one. And I will share that to Dude, that's crazy that that many people jumped on that quick, huh? Yeah, it's they're stupid. they're set up for um to to be notified, right? Yeah, it just starts gathering people up and letting them know that uh So like and then I can post this to uh Instagram TV or whatever. Oh yeah. And uh-huh. I probably will at a later date, but uh Oh yeah, we're almost to an hour and I promised myself I wouldn't take up more than 5 hours of your time today, <laughs> which I have. Um I think let's kind of like Let's do some takeaways and call it call it a day here. Barclay, you have a lot of wisdom. You've you've been in a lot of diverse situations in the mountains, like a lot of real life experience, which means more to me than somebody who studied it and can theorize. Like I don't care. I want to know from somebody who's packed the wrong gear, brought the wrong gas, brought the wrong stove brought the wrong bag, couldn't drive, like all your mistakes that you've made yeah. has m- helped you come <clears throat> here on here. So I'm going to distill it down to why are you doing knowledgefromstorms.com? That's really what I want to know. Why are you doing this? For two reasons. One, because I realized that I really missed teaching. I, I did. I, I, I missed uh, the interaction. And two, um, because I missed it, I realized that by not sharing what I think was somewhat unique or the way I presented it was somewhat unique in the market, that I was being incredibly selfish with the information I had and that the world, like nobody was going to benefit from 30 years of experience for me if I didn't step out of my comfort zone to try to present it to somebody. And, And quite frankly, Dan, I am way out of my comfort zone. I'm not a guy that necessarily wanted the limelight. I'm, I'm actually a, uh, an introvert um, as much as it doesn't seem that way sometimes. Um, but I realized being very selfish with all this experience and that it was basically dead with me if I didn't try to um, educate other people. And then hopefully they learn and then they can educate other people. Um, and then, you know, maybe I'll have, you know, passed that on. 
Um, but yeah, so for those two reasons, one, cause I enjoy teaching and two, cause I, I knew I was being selfish and I wanted to spread the word. Hmm. I like it. It's going to be a little bit of a legacy piece. It's a little bit of pass it on. And quite honestly, it's just going to be kind of a really cool, cool resource. That's, um, not about like naming brands and doing that, do this brand because this or that, like, but it's more like just, Hey, I've tried this. I've tried that. Like you've tried a lot of stuff. Give some unbiased real down-to-earth, genuine, reliable information? Is yeah, that too be- much to ask? Yeah, because I I don't think it exists in the way, like there's a lot of information like what you're putting out, great information, but I think I have something else to add to the conversation. And you're right. I mean, obviously I, I represent a brand, I represent Sika, but if you you know wear somebody else's brand or don't have the money to buy you know Sika right now, I can help you take whatever you have and leverage it to its fullest potential and let you have a great experience out there. Mm-hmm. So it's not about this stove or this jacket or this sleeping bag. It's about here's how it works. Here's what you need to understand. Here's how to go train and test with it so that you can have a great experience out there. And, you know, that's that's what I think I can offer. You said some cool stuff today when we were filming kind of like the MTV Cribs <laughs> video of your man shop. We really kind of dove into the tinkering side of things. Yeah, that, love tinkering. That platform loves the archery side of things. Uh, but what you said over there in that corner right over there, mm. I asked you, hey, well, I'll just ask you again right now because your answer really like it made my day. It made my trip here. But you have the sick, dope workout area very rudimentary very basic very barbell kettlebell sandbags sandbags like just like gritty stuff which i dig a lot and i was like hey barclow like how much of elk hunting is physicality versus mentality and you said it's it's at least 75 to 80 percent mental how is that possible but but what i think so what we were saying is what i what i've learned is that it used to be going into the gym to get you know a workout a pump to look good or whatever, you know, vain reason. But ultimately what I've discovered is I'm really using the physical exercise to train my mind, to train my psyche. That's really where, and so we talked about, it's like you go in, you write something on the board. If it's written on the board, you must do it. You don't have to do it fast. You must do it. Do it without music. Do it without heat. Do it in the heat. Grind through it. Yes, you're working your body. You need to do that to be able to survive. I like to say make yourself the most durable human you can be, but you have to make yourself the most durable human between the ears too. And I'll just speak for myself. It's something that I have to do all the time because for me it's a perishable skill, right? And so I have to stay there uncomfortable, grinding it out, working through it. And so when elk season comes, although it's difficult – and maybe it's a little more difficult than what I do in my daily life. It's not out of the realm of what I do in my in my year. It's just another thing that I do in September, and I'd go do something else in April. But the the physical exercise is a tool for me to work my mind. Guys, we're gonna end the podcast right there. That was uh, that was well said, and I appreciate your honesty, and I know you really live it. <clears throat> and I'm thinking you're absolutely right. I really have nothing to add. I feel like you just hit that out of the park. So, guys, uh, do yourself do yourself right and get your body used to being uncomfortable. Um, don't be the first one to find the best playlist that's going to pump you up. Or you don't need to watch 
some motivational video because that's a false god. Just go do the work. And don't turn the heat up. And don't put the air conditioning on. Maybe suffer in silence knowing that, yeah, your body's getting a dividend, but your mind's getting the dividend. And that's what's going to make or break your next adventure if you're interested in being successful. Appreciate your time, man. Yeah, thanks, Dan. At Jay Barclow. On Instagram. Yep. On Instagram. And then knowledgefromstorms.com. Will you have a Knowledge From Storms Instagram as well? Uh, Maybe. Maybe. Still working that out. Still yep. working that out. And then I know you've set up a YouTube channel, so be on the lookout. We have blogs, vlogs, videos, free content. Free content. Because you're basically need to share this information and yep. we are thirsty for it so thank you so much for your time yeah thanks. Did i miss anything else i think we're good don't give in to habitual comfort mm. next time you see uh uh five foot seven hundred and thirty pound jonathan hart will you give him a noogie for me <laughs> just right there uh yeah man i uh i haven't seen that guy in a while and uh usually he's injured when i see him yeah so, he hasn't been in a while hey actually. knock on wood yeah so cool all right guys separation is in the preparation we'll catch you on the next one well guys i gotta tell you john barklow was one of my favorite guys he's the realist so legit so humble done so many crazy things yeah man i got nothing but respect for him again check out our youtube series it's going to be coming out soon it's called the oak shape montana road trip series where we go do some crazy stuff it's pretty cool if you're an elk collective member go ahead and check out the elk collective because you're going to see a video from john barklow brian barney ryan lampers all fresh content from this year on how to kill elk without using elk calls really cool stuff and it's a kind of a tactic that i really employ quite often uh, i just wanted to give a shout out to all the partners that work with us and make sure you guys know the discount codes. So number one, apparently I've had a discount code with Onyx for a while now and I haven't even announced it. So if you haven't gotten Onyx yet, do it. I literally live and breathe on my Onyx in the backcountry while elk hunting offline mode. Download all your maps, use the discount code ELKSHAPE. It'll take 20% off. Last year I was using a different brand, but I was actually using Onyx because it was the only thing that actually would work in the backcountry. So it's very robust and I really like some of the new features that just came out with. You can tilt and move on your desktop now so you can treat Onyx like Google Earth. The resolution's much better. When you tilt it, you can still use the tools and you can see the private and the public and you can use the radius tools. In fact, we made a, uh, a YouTube video on that and that's coming out soon as well. And I'll actually show you how to do some hacks on there to help your e-scouting game. Numa Outdoors, Numa gear coming out with some new stuff in 2021. I still can't talk about it yet, but I've been testing the prototype, super legit, some great improvements. Use the discount code ELKSHAPE20. That'll take 20% off Numa gear. Get your base layers, get some of the new pants that are coming out and the new tops that are coming out and the new puffy that's coming out uh, that's as much or more than i was supposed to say wilderness athlete elk shape 30 will get you 30 percent off right now is the time to load up get your hydrate recover energy and focus your green formula your multivitamins the good stuff vortex wear uh, elk shape will get you 20 percent off if you work out and train like i do or scout look at their line of apparel uh, it's literally game changers i wear it all the time when i'm working out 
Black Ovis. You can buy anything under the sun there. Use the discount code ELKSHAPE, 10% off. Some exclusions apply, but not many. Black Rifle Coffee Company. Become a member. Get the new coffee at the first of every month. It's exclusive. Use the discount code ELKSHAPE. That'll take 15% off. Or just pick up some flying elk roast and you'll be good to go. I already mentioned the elk collective. I have a discount code. You it's online digital elk hunting education. The discount code is elk shape podcast, all one word. That'll take $25 off. Also check out our game bags on there. They're badass and I want you to get them bloody and send me photos. Northwest retention systems is the chest holster. I wear, I wear it under my bino harness. I like gun spray and bear spray. So check out both. And that's what I got for you guys. Um, last of my shout outs is going to be to Spy Point. I'm putting trail cameras out right now. I'm trying the new cell phone trail cameras that they've created as well as their cell link where I can make trail cameras that I had prior to working with Spy Point. I can make those cell phone trail cameras. And it's cheap. Like their prices are unbelievable and their stuff's been out forever. So it's proven. Buck Knives out of Post Falls, Idaho. That's 20 minutes away. Legendary Knife Makers. Go ahead and check out their whole lineup for hunting knives or daily driver knives. Buck Knives, Legendary Knives, they work with us now, and we're super proud about that. Last but not least, Crispy Boots. Gun to my head, I'm going to be using the Brickstalls and the Colorados as my two favorite boots for 2021 elk season. you got to test out boots, see what works well for you. But if you're going to get Crispy Boots, buy them off Black Ovis. Use that discount code that I already mentioned. All right, guys, that's all the value adds that I have for you. Thank you for listening. I appreciate your support. We'll catch you on the next one.